That was a Portuguese fado song by Camane. Fado singers always sound as if they're carrying the weight of the world's sadness. That's the nature of fado, I think. They don't just wear their hearts on their sleeves, they bear their souls. Well, Kristen Henning, who is our reporter from the middle of America, she's... uh She's based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to be precise, but she's been uh, she's been travelling, and I want to welcome her back. Uh, Chris, we missed you. Well, it's been a while. We've had holidays and travel and meetings and all sorts of things since yeah. then. Yeah. Oh well, that that that's great. You and and you are entitled to holidays. That, that's okay. <laughs> that's under under the award. You can get away with that. Excellent. So tell us about your latest adventure. It sounds fascinating. Well, I would love to talk to you about. Portugal because we in December were lucky enough to do a Douro River cruise um, it, which is in northern Portugal and it was just a great chance to go back to Portugal we'd been to Lisbon and Porto the two biggest cities briefly but we hadn't really um, dug in to see what those cities have to offer and then uh, discovered the Douro River right the, and is I, this a typical river, um, the river cruise boats that you see in other parts of Europe? Well, it's really interesting. It's not, it, it, it is a European river cruise. It happens to be the only river cruise available in the Iberian Peninsula. But the Douro River is a smaller, wilder river than the others. And for that reason, and some others, it really is a slightly different river cruise experience. Um, the Douro Valley, the, the Douro River, first of all, runs from Spain, uh, northwest Spain, north of Salamanca, um, through Portugal, basically east-west, uh, and exits uh, in uh, the town of Porto. Right. But the uh, about I don't know seventy miles of it form the border between Spain and Portugal. Right. It's a very very mountainous area, and even though tourism to Portugal is just bonkers, we had thirty million visitors to Portugal in twenty twenty three. That's right. Most of those people are going to Lisbon, or they're going to Porto or they're going to the coastal areas in the south where it's warmer. Uh, some now, are, there's increasing interest in the Azores. But um, that, even though Portugal was the fourth most Googled destination last year in the world, Didn't know uh, that. a lot of that focus is in, into those few areas. Right. So that... The Douro is a wonderful way to see another side of Portugal. Mm. It's very, very mountainous, very remote. And until a couple of decades ago, even Portuguese had trouble. It was a long drive from Lisbon to Porto through mountains. Uh, They've built better roads now and cut that time down considerably. There were trains. Some of them still run. Some little... uh, Trains don't run anymore, but they're the small gauge trains that you just see like on the cliff right above the river. The river in the upper Douro is narrow, surrounded by mountains. So it's a it's a wild affair. That so is do been, you travel? Which way do you travel? Upstream or downstream? You travel up, yes. 
you so travel where do you up. start at Porto? Do you in Porto? And okay. most of the most of the cruise companies, we went with Viking River Cruises, and yeah. they are one of a handful who operate in the Douro. But they Viking has is only one of a few that has its own ships for this, and they had to build different ships from what they use on the other European rivers because of the size of the locks are narrower, and so. Guests who've done other European trips will will notice these differences. It's a it's a smaller ship, um, maybe a hundred and sixty passenger level, so a bit smaller than the other river cruises. Okay. And uh, are the bridges lower or something, or just the width of the river? Uh, the width of the river, the width of the locks, is what restricts the ship size. Right. But the river itself. Um, until the locks and dams were built in the 70s, um, you know, it was very wild and, and rugged. And to this day, the cruise ships cannot uh, are not allowed to travel at night. So all oh. of the river cruising is during the day, which is great as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, and the other difference is that because it's so mountainous and they're just remote villages, uh, it's great because you get to places you couldn't otherwise see, you traditionally wouldn't get to, but you're having to do little bus extensions from the river to get over the mountains to these to these sites. It's not like the European cruises where you get off your ship and you're in the middle of a grand a city. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's a typical day then? You've, you've obviously parked overnight. Is it just by the edge of the river or do they have proper port facilities? Well, they have proper uh, port facilities in almost all cases, and there are some medium-sized towns that we stop in. But just in a nutshell, um, I should back up and say that all of these cruises will generally start with a couple of days in Lisbon to get your feet on the ground and do some short excursions there, take you by bus from Lisbon to Porto, which is uh, maybe three hours or more. Okay. Uh, stopping in Coimbra, which is a old university town. It's very interesting. Coimbra, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then once you board the ship in Porto, it's probably a seven-night cruise that you're talking about. And some of the typical um, days are just going to be uh, sailing up the river, maybe going through a lock, and then stopping at a small town, boarding a bus for an excursion to an even smaller town or to a quinta, which are the uh, port wine estates, which are lovely and on the terraced hillsides. Um, and there are also some really great uh, UNESCO World Heritage sites that are accessible through these tours. One is a medieval town of um, Guimarães, and that is, it was the, it has a, a medieval castle, it has a 15th, 16th century palace, it was a, a political seat of authority, and uh-huh. it's a lovely square, it's just a, a really chill and interesting town to visit. Sounds that, great. Again, yeah. you wouldn't drive to. Yeah. And then my favorite excursion off of the Douro was to the Koa Valley, which is the site of 
some 80 different archaeological finds, prehistoric finds, with uh, rock carving pictures. Uh, this has been really only um, explored from the archaeological sense since the late 70s when they were about to build a, a dam there and the local people who knew about these uh, sites and, and students in particular worked very hard to stop the dam from being built there and, and protect these sites. So what has now happened is you can visit a museum which has excellent information and 100% reproductions of the pictographs because those are kept in situ. But you can also, with a little advanced planning, arrange to visit the archaeological sites themselves with a guide. Some of them are accessed by kayak, wow. literally, on the Koa River. And uh, it's, it's, it's just... A, we went to the museum. We didn't go down into the valley to the sites themselves, but right. it's a gorgeous scenery and a really, really fascinating archaeological find. So, and how many hundreds of years or thousands of years old are these? Um, these are Paleolithic, so 30,000 years, okay. I believe. Okay. You know, in that neighborhood, give or take 10,000 years. <laughs> yeah, well, in those I don't, days, I don't know. That, uh, that's nothing, yeah. is it, 10,000 years? But we do, yeah, we do link to that um, Coa Valley Museum site in, in our post on the Doro, and I really okay. encourage people to take a look. And if you, if I had a chance to go back, I would travel on my own to explore down in that valley with their guides. Sounds, sounds. Uh... Yeah, and another um, interesting shore excursion is actually in Spain at the uh, furthest most navigable point is really right at the Spanish-Portuguese border. And from there, it's about a two-hour bus to Salamanca. Salamanca also is famous for being a, a big university town. Yes. And in the old Castilla Leon region of Spain. And it uh, also has one of the, oh, I'd say the top ten cathedrals in Spain is in Salamanca. Beautiful. Oh, okay. Old and, and new cathedrals there. And so, so a lot you, of people, that was their favorite uh, excursion. So you, you just traverse the border and get off in Spain, or you go and you come back? Uh, you go and you come back. Right. Uh, it's a day trip from the ship. So, okay. Yeah, all the, all the excursions are day trips. But, you know, I, I bring that up in the terrain and the bus connections because um, people shouldn't be surprised at that. And it, it just takes extra transportation to get to some of these really interesting sites mm. and you won't regret getting there but it means uh, a little bus time okay. and the other thing that people I think would want to know before embarking on a Doro River cruise is that because the river is narrow and it's surrounded by mountains it's probably more susceptible than other waterways to uh, quickly changing water levels we, for example, had a lot of rain the first day when we were boarding in Porto, and we ended up not being able to get to our destination that night. We stopped short because there was literally too much current for the ship to go into the first lock. Right. So they just, you know, 
they're great. They're experts. It's why they win. Uh, why Viking wins all their awards? They sure. just go with the flow. Yeah, the flow, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And they, yeah. you know, they just rearranged the shore excursions and the buses, and everybody still got to do pretty much everything. Mm. What about the uh, the well, port wine? We won't complain about that. But what, how was the food? Oh, the food was excellent. We were really um, lucky, I think, in a lot of respects. We had. We had a Portuguese captain and we had a Portuguese um, hotel manager. Mm. And the chef, however, was Bulgarian, I believe. And he was phenomenal. We had some of the best octopus that I've ever eaten. He was, he, he, Modestly, and I'm being ironic because he was very proud of his soups. He, yeah. the first night, said that he made the best soups in the world, and I would not argue that. Right. Every meal, we were treated to an exceptional, creative, lovely soup option. Okay. Um, yeah, the food was was really, really excellent. Sounds great, and uh, and we drank what? some wine. Oh, yeah, well, I'm pleased to hear that too. And <laughs> were the uh, were the guests on board? Uh, were they any particular uh, demographic or well, geographic? I think that um, you know Viking markets most heavily in the United States, and it's primarily um, North American. We you know mostly U.S., some Canadian, and there were. <laughs> It's funny. Both of the last two cruises I've done had had a a, a smattering of Australians on board. Oh well, that's the, good. Yeah, it's very very nice. The two that uh, we were most friendly with happened to live in the United States. So right. Uh, and actually, that was the case with another couple too that they had transplanted to the United States. But at least right. we got to hear our Australian accent. Apart from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Chris. Well, it sounds like you've had a wonderful trip, and you're you're away. Uh, do you travel from the US direct to Portugal? Yeah, fly to Lisbon. Uh, in this case, we didn't, but we did fly directly home to the US from Porto. Right. Um, but it's readily accessible. Yeah, it is fairly accessible. Um, I think we went through Paris, and that's because we went through Paris going... We, we had started in Morocco on that trip, so when right. we basically flew from uh, Casablanca to Lisbon. Sounds magnificent. And yeah, we've, we really enjoyed... I shouldn't downplay the Lisbon experience, too, because... Um, that's where so much focus is now in tourism. And mm. we had a lovely time there. We did a food walking tour there uh, that was uh, provided by Viking. And we spent a couple of days on our own there as well, checking out some museums. And uh, I think I sent you a tile photo from the National Tile Museum in Lisbon. Oh, yeah, I uh, see that. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. It, it looks it's very really 3D. Nice, it is. Yeah. It is. That was what they were playing with in back in the 17th century. Wow! But it's a, this museum is a nice history of the Moorish and um, Iberian Peninsula. Right. Uh, I love your river shot of, with the bridge. Yeah. With the, 
Almost a complete circle, give it when the reflection. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, happy. That was that was where we stayed, where we were not scheduled to stay. And I got great. up the next morning early, and, and that was the, the view. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. yeah well, thanks, nice. Chris. Um, as usual, your, your full... Your reports are very fulsome. They cover all the <laughs> angles, you. and I think that uh, people would enjoy that. Um, but you've obviously done lots of other stuff, so I'm looking forward to our next conversation. I am as well. I hope that will be soon, and we'll be talking about a different sort of uh, cruise. Okay, sounds great. Uh, Kristen Henning, thanks for your time. Thank you. Kristen Henning in conversation with Graham Kenler about her recent visit to Portugal and cruise through the Douro Valley. More information and photos on Chris's website, travelpast50.com. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.